Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. If you're able, physically, let's stand this morning out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that came to me through the plot of the Jews, and that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the privilege to open your word, to have your word to hear your word, to know its truth, Father, truth yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Father, God, that we have this word as a lamp into our feet, a light into our paths. I pray that your spirit this morning, God, would move in hearts, not only in this building, but ones watching online. And God, I pray this happens all over the globe, that there'd be a transformative work of the spirit this morning, ones who are in rebellion, ones who are broken, ones who are lost. Father, I pray they'd come to repentance this morning and know the sweet fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ Jesus, Lord and Savior. We commit all this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So verses 17 through 21 again. And now from Miletus he sent, sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that came to me through the plot of the Jews. And I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public from house to house. I testified to both Jews, Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. First thing I want to share with you this morning comes from those verses and it is this. Demonstrate faithful commitment. Don't just talk about it. You know, anybody can talk a good game. You ever heard a good salesman? I mean, I'm serious when I ask that. What I'm saying is you knew that what they had was junk or it was not what it was cracked up to be. But in all honesty, if you were naive, had you been as naive as they believed you were, you'd have been taken hook, line, and sinker. 
There's a lot of people that get taken by that. There's a little scam. It's still run all over the country. I know this because I experienced it one day. In Murfreesboro, there was a person on a Friday afternoon about 4 or 5 o'clock uh, who was stranded, and they just happened to have some gold jewelry on them. Anybody ever experienced that scam? Please tell me in a crowd this size I'm the only one. Okay, good, a few others. And they just needed a few hundred dollars or whatever it was, and they, they were going to be well on their way, but they were good. We had one come to church here just about two months ago. Um, thankfully, because of my law enforcement background, I smelled something real bad really quick. It was a scammer is what it was. And long story short, his story started to unfold the more questions I asked just to kind of validate what things are being said because you want to believe that someone's not going to just completely and utterly boldface lie to you. But sadly, they will just boldface lie to you, won't they? Why? Because there's a motivation behind that. See, it's one thing to talk. We can convince anybody of anything, and sometimes, church, what happens when you get out in, you know what I call left field, right? When you get out in left field, you're not in a good place. So when you get out in left field, and you know you're in left field, and you're not doing anything overtly that anybody could know, does anybody know what they will tend to do when you're in left field? You'll get the closest Christians you know around you and convince them that everything's wonderful and how spiritual you are. Why do you do that? Because you're scared to death that somebody's going to figure out that you're in left field. And it's that human instinct, that fear in the human instinct that I am thankful that for the most part I've not seen here. I'm very thankful that this atmosphere that I preach and talk about continually of transparency and honesty because the only thing you're doing is suffering alone. If you're at Longview Baptist Church and you are wanting to dwell in unrepentant sin or you don't know what to do, you do that with all of the loving care of people week in and week out. It doesn't matter what you say. If you're a crazy serial killer, I'll pat you down. Then we'll start talking. Amen? Amen. But I'm going to help walk with you through restoration. That might be that you'll have a ministry in the uh, government setting. Right? You might have a debt that you have to pay, and we're going to help get that straightened out because it's important to do. doesn't mean that you just sweep everything up under the rug, but sometimes there's nobody in here that can say, I don't feel comfortable. I just think Brother Jonathan would tell me I was crazy, and I'm the only person that's ever dealt with that. Really, it doesn't matter what you tell me. There might be some things that could cause some catastrophic trajectory changes, changes of course in your life, but still... You're not going to be beat up, hated, and nobody's going to love you anymore. We're going to walk with you through the repentance and the restoration and the restitution process, if that may be the case. But living out your walk with Christ, you need to demonstrate it. Because words, this is the truth, talk is cheap, especially now. Talk is cheap. So therefore, what's most important, living for Christ or talking a good game? Live for Christ. Does that mean you get the I love Jesus hat? No, if you're not going to walk it, don't wear it. Because you do more harm for the kingdom than you do good for the kingdom when you wear a hat that says how much you love Jesus as you're sitting there beating somebody's brains in out in public because why? They cut in line in front of you at McDonald's. Going to McDonald's is enough to make you lose your mind in the first place these days. So I promise you it won't even take somebody saying something to get you wound up. Everybody is completely lost their minds everywhere. I don't know why, but they have completely 
lost their minds everywhere you go. So now the best thing in the world for you to do is live as a lighthouse when you go out. You just can't let things bother you because if you do, I assure you, it will invite you to a catastrophic train wreck of a situation if you go out half cocked in this time and generation right now. But demonstrating that faithful commitment to Christ, the world does not need to see another quote unquote Christian that goes in on a Sunday after church dressed in their Sunday best to a restaurant only to go in there, not tip the, the waitress when she was exceptional or he was exceptional. When you sit in there, you feed a party of six or eight, you spend three hours in there, you run them to death, filling up your drinks again, bringing you, they did everything they were supposed to do and because you, know, you wanna be a wise steward, you ripped off a little girl making $4 an hour with her tip. Because I will assure you, they know you're a Christian. You don't even ever have to say a word about it. One of the reasons I know is I've heard statements from people about how they can't stand to wait tables of Christians or to deal with Christians. And that's not right. That's not good. I had a lost boss uh, that owned a corporation that I worked for, very successful. And one day, she, I worked directly under her. And one day, she called, she rolled right, Jonathan, come here. I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. So I go in there, I sit down, yes ma'am, Miss Cheryl. She said, Jonathan, I want you to end. You're a Christian. Of course, I wasn't a Christian back then, but I went to church on Sunday, so I you know, thought I was a Christian. So, yes, ma'am, I'm a Christian. Uh, Jonathan, why is it that all the Christians in here, and she used some colorful metaphors to descript her, but say basically, rip me off. Why is it that all the Christians rip me off and that all the people who don't claim to be Christians and aren't Christians pay their bills? And I said, Miss Cheryl, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that, and I'm sorry. It makes me very sad that you have that experience because that's not what truly being a Christian is. And that, listen, you know how long that's been? That's been 28 years ago. Over. I still remember it like she said it yesterday. Think about how much damage we as Christians do to the kingdom. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because if nothing else, it can change starting with Longview Baptist Church. More specifically, set down that hula hoop, step inside it, and say, it's going to start change with me. But you can't even adopt that unless that's your heart. Do you want to be the one that brings a hand grenade because you're worried about a bear when you get in a boat? And you've got the pin out because when that encounter happens, you want to make sure that you're ready. Do you realize that getting in a boat with a hand grenade is what we do spiritually to the kingdom work when we go out here and live like the devil in display to the lost world as they see the complete manifestation as Christians because what happened? Oh, you, you don't realize you were talking about church as she was serving you. You forgot about it. You forgot about the conversations you're having. Do you think that those people are deaf? They get paid based on how they can interact with others. So as it is in the car business from when I used to sell cars at 17 years old, you listen to everything. Before I went up to a person to talk to them, I looked at the back of their car. Do you know how much you can learn about someone through their car? You can learn a lot. You learn about the, the thing that uh, the plate 
the thing around the plate, the little frame around it, the stickers on the back of it, the way they take care of their car, the things in the car before you've ever engaged the person, you can learn a lot. So the world is always watching us. And when we come in dressed nicer on Sundays in a group, they know exactly what you are. You're one of those churchgoers. You're a Christian. Doesn't matter if the people were not Christians that came in, they're still going to put that weight of responsibility on us. Therefore, I think it is imperative that if you or I ever do go out on a Sunday and you eat, you better tip them like you've never tipped anybody in your life because you're representing the kingdom. And you know that God is not going to bless you when someone has worked. What does it say? Don't muzzle an ox while it's treading. Meaning, they're working and they deserve to be paid. And if they've done good service to you, you deserve to tip them well. Now, if they were a terrible host and they were really bad and they didn't bring the food out and it was, you know, you had a person experience this yesterday. Somebody got a sandwich 20 minutes after the rest of us had finished eating. You don't reward that type of thing. This was actually a complete absent-mindedness is the reason this happened. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an issue because you could see where they were cooking. This was an issue of complete lackadaisical apathy. That was the reason that this person did not deserve. What, is, what are you doing in tipping? You're showing, you've done a really good job. You really took care of us, and we, we appreciate what you're doing. Sometimes you have to make a demonstration like that. I would have even encouraged you, though, if you're in a group of people on a Sunday, and you're dressed, and you've been to church, even if they're bad, I would use it as a ministry opportunity. You know, I know you, you didn't do real hot with us today, but I want you to know something. We value your, your value based on who you are as Lord, and we appreciate And we're going to tip you 20-whatever percent just because we love you. Can you imagine what that type of mindset would do to the lost world? Because what is that? Not the way the world does it, is it? No, the world's going to throw it to you. They're going to show you, and I'm going to straighten you out. See, Living according to a faithful commitment in the kingdom is demonstrating that, not just talking about it. Are you living a life that talks about the kingdom work, talks about your love for the Lord, but you don't know when the last time you opened a Bible up? A lady this uh, week was talking to me, one of the patients, and just saying how, oh, I just love, it's so awesome to have my Bible and all that, but it was sitting over on the corner of the table, she can't walk. And it had been sitting there both days. And I said, uh, hey, uh, I don't know how you're able to read that Bible. It's sitting all the way over there. She goes, oh, you know what? Could you bring it over here to me? So I brought it over there, and I put it under the bottom of her stuff. I came in there an hour later, and guess what? All the stuff was under it, so she'd been able to open it. She demonstrated to me that she wasn't just going to say it. She wanted to do it. Are you just talking about your love for the Lord, but you don't read? I'm talking about how much I love. I can't wait to be in God's presence one day. You don't even have a clue what it's going to be like in the first place because you've never opened a Bible in the first place. You've never spent any time delighting yourself in the Lord. You're more worried about how nervous you're going to be in heaven one day with all the crowds because you just don't like people, situations with people. You better get used to that one too because it's going to be a crowded event. Amen? We're not going to have to worry about all the issues we deal with, with uh, not liking crowds and things, but get in God's presence, spend time in his presence, but truly live out the kingdom. Don't just talk about it. Nobody likes a person that sits back and talks about something, but has no true ability or desire to live out what they're talking about. That's what we call in the old country, a bunch of hot air. Amen. 
O me. Listen to verses 22 through 24 again. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life as no value to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Second thing I want to share with you this morning is this. True love for God births obedience to God. Answer this to yourself. If you're Paul, you hear what he says right there. Except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit, this is not just his feeling, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. How many of you right now knew that if you went to work this week, you were going to get arrested? In all honesty, if you knew this week, if you went to work, you were going to jail. Don't raise your hand, because I don't want anybody to say something and end up in trouble spiritually with the Lord. How many of you would truly go to work? Or how many would go, I didn't about to sign up for that. What if you knew God wanted you to go on a missions event? A mission work? Anybody know what happened? What, Brian Naren, uh, last year, year before last? The time is so fuzzy to me. But I'll just say a couple years ago, he went with uh, Drew. Used to be the pastor of People's Church. They went on a missions trip. And remember, he got arrested. Anybody remember how long he was in jail over there? A long time. Drew ended up coming back home. It had been so long. We didn't know what was going to happen with Brian. He was facing potentially years in prison. Was he doing anything nefarious? Was he trying to smuggle drugs? Or No. He had money that was going to be used for the church to minister to these churches to allow the ministry and the work of the Lord to continue to go forward as they were sowing into these ministries. And he was arrested. Thank the Lord he ended up being released months later. You know, he has a disabled child, got a family. I mean, this is a lie, a church in town. How many of you right now, if, ready? You're signed up for a missions trip, and the Lord says to you, by the way, on this trip, you're going to go to prison. <clears throat> I, think I've, I think I might have the COVID. How many people would all of a sudden start to cough up excuses like pennies if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt you were going to a foreign country and going to be put in prison simply because you love the Lord? See, a true love for God, though, births obedience to God. And that's why I encourage you and challenge you, beseech you, I beg you. Start with the most elementary of things. And this is getting up in the morning and reading the Word of God. Because if you're going to tell me, oh man, I'd go, I'd just go, man, I'd just count it all glory. And you won't get in God's Word, you're going to tell me that when they... <laughs> You're going to go on a missions trip and you know you're going to get arrested and you won't read the Bible and you're going to tell me you're going to get on a plane and go to a foreign country and be arrested. 
you have deceived, you have deluded yourself. Because if you won't read God's word with something of such, in a sense, minimal effort, you are really going to go to an airport with the full knowledge that you're going to prison on a missions trip. Well, I would encourage you to think about this. If you've not been in God's word, you have been disobedient because scripture says, hide God's word in your heart that I might not sin against him. I know that if I was put in prison and they did not give me any media, I have a whole lot of Bible in my mind that I could be doing what um, so many throughout history have been able to do and reciting to yourself God's word. And I would have enough in there to keep me pretty busy, spiritually speaking. But if you've not been in God's word and you haven't been hiding God's word in your heart and you go to a foreign country to suffer for the Lord and yet you've found yourself at a place doing that of disobedience because you've not been delighting yourself in the Lord, I'm gonna tell you, I think you'd have a tough time. So that's why I think we should back up here and, and take it in a Paul's perspective. Man, when Paul sold out spiritually, he sold out to the Lord. He was not gonna back down and no matter what he faced, remember when the, uh, was Agabus tied herself up, said the person whose belt this is, you're going to be bound, you're going to die. Can you imagine hearing that? Again, it sounds good in theory, right? Yeah, I'm going to die for the Lord. Be careful. How arrogantly, remember our dear friend Peter? Oh, Lord, I'll go with you to death. And in short order, he's denying Jesus. Be very careful what you speak. Let me just tell you what I say. And I, and I think this is something that I've learned as, again, the older you get, the more God injects this level of humility in you through experience. God, grow me to such a way that, Lord, if I'm ever faced with the choice to deny you or die, that I may be spiritually mature enough, have the spiritual ability to stand firm in spite of it. And I recognize that I, all of us are a Peter at the drop of a hat. It's only through the, the conditioning spiritually of growing deep roots and being faithful that that becomes your default. As I always talk to you about law enforcement and how spiritually, what the same concept in the spiritual realm Policing, they taught me how to respond based on conditioning of scenarios over and over and over again. And through doing things a certain way, that's how you'd respond. And what they said is, in all of the historical data with police officers, they responded the way they had been trained and conditioned themselves to respond. Therefore, that's why it's so important for our default to be God's word, our default to be when things start going bad, to once again do what you've been doing. You're praying without ceasing. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. You're doing what is naturally the default as opposed to what the enemy loves. First thing that happens is fear and how can I fix this? That's not a recipe for anything but disaster. So delight yourself in the Lord. Stay faithful to the Lord. That true love for God, though, church is going to birth an obedience to him if we truly love him. And then uh, verse 11 and 12, and we'll finish up. Now, I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to. Therefore, I testify to you to this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. And the third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Defend truth, 
not yourself. I say that a lot in different forms, but I think that's important. Again, we have short memories. When you think about people who fly, when you think about people who operate machinery, what do you have to do? You do in-service. Why do you do in-service? Because we need these elementary things reaffirmed. And you know, even with hand hygiene and nursing, what do you do? It's a continual process. Doctors go through that. Anybody involved in anything, child care. Why do, why do you have to do an in-service on washing your hands? Because we need to be reminded. We have short memories, don't we? Spiritually, it's the same principle. This right here, defend truth, not yourself. Look what Paul's doing. Hey, I have a clean conscience. I have shared the truth. I've lived the truth. I've been the truth. I'm not going to see you guys again. Paul was well aware that he was going to his death. Just shows the passion he had for the Lord, the passion for truth. Because that's what he cared about is finishing the race, running it faithfully, crossing the finish line, knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And all the time, all along the line, what did Paul say? I desire to depart. He didn't have a hatred for life, but he knew what this was about. He was in the world, but not of the world. He recognized this is not his home. And that's with followers of Christ. We need to recognize, church, this is not our home. You think about how fast the years are going by like wind. I was 33 years old when I came to Longview Baptist Church. The wind, the years have been like wind. And it won't be a few short years. It'll be 20 years by God's grace and 30 years. And I'll look back like I look back now and go, what happened? Where did the years go? We can't hold on to any of this stuff, church. And the thing about it is, if I'd have spent my time in 15 years defending myself when somebody in the, we'd get somebody who wanted to stir up trouble or somebody in the community would say something, if I ran around and defended the foolishness that had happened at times, what do I would have done? I'd have kept myself busy with something that had zero eternal meaning. You know what I do? I let my steadfast testimony and my continual yielding to God's purpose, plan, and power, let God defend me, let God testify to who I am. And that's what we've got to worry about. Just worry about the main thing being the main thing. You worried about drama on Facebook because somebody said this about you or don't even, just stay away from it. Then you won't even hear it in the first place unless it is second nature. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Be a Paul. Be focused on the main thing being the main thing. Don't get distracted by all of this foolishness because we have something right now that needs our utmost attention. And what is that? Stay faithfully on the purpose, path, and plan that God has for your life and my life. The distractions, oh, they'll be there. Even if you're not on social media, there'll be plenty of things to vie for your attention that don't have eternal value. So you focus on having the least number of those things. Defend truth. Don't defend yourself. So thankful I'm so thankful for the Pauls in the scripture. I'm so thankful for the Silases. I'm so thankful for even the Samsons and even the King David. I'm talking about with their faults. Why? Because in seeing that, you see that someone who really is in love with the Lord can make bad decisions sometimes. 
And all of us at times have made bad decisions. Now, what is the difference now between us versus one of them? Well, we're spirit indwelled right now. Paul was, but Old Testament ones I referenced, we're not walking in the continual power of the Holy Spirit. But you and I don't have to be a cautionary tale. You know what that means? We don't have to go out and do something foolish today so we can, you know, I'm going to go out and go plunge myself into this mess so I'll have a testimony like you, Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so. No, don't do that. There's going to be enough things in our lives that God can use a spotless testimony without ever doing something foolish like that. God can use you just as powerfully. Amen? You don't have to go out and be a gun-running drug dealer that has murdered 50 people to have a testimony. And sadly, I've heard people almost at times believing that that's what, that that's what makes their testimony powerful. It doesn't to me. Uh, actually, I, I, don't, I think it did anything but. Yes, testimonies are testimonies. Use them for, for God's glory, but don't go, I'm going to go out here and do this and allow this because, you know, it, it'll be a great addition to my testimony. I think that could end up catastrophically. Church this morning, worry about being faithful, focused, and fervent in the work that God desires you to be a part of, just like Paul was. Paul was honest about his struggles, honest about his battles, and he was faithful in everything that God gave him till the moment he breathed his last breath. He was even honest about his doing things sometimes he shouldn't, and he's, he's, the things he should be doing, he's not. He was just transparent and honest in, in all that he was and all that he did. And again, I'm so thankful for that because even at the times when you're struggling, you're battling, there are some solid people throughout Scripture that went through some very deep valleys at times. And that, to me, speaks to the, the valleys that we'll have and also those mountaintops we'll have. This morning, my question to you this morning is, what is the essence of your life? Look at Paul. Paul's just faithfully about the master's business. Are you about the master's business today? Are you on a path that is that narrow road that leads to life and you are just wanting to finish the race faithfully and cross the finish line and go home and receive the reward spiritually and enter God's presence? Is that your heart? If it's not, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to ask you that question. If today was your last day, do you feel at complete peace with what you've done with what God's given you? Or would you say this morning, no, I don't want it to be my last day because I haven't, oh, I've been involved in, I this, then I would encourage you to step back and do an introspective look and say, what is the sum total of my life? What do I want it going forward to be? Do I want to let God use these situations that I've experienced as an object with which to be used for his glory? Then you've got to make some course corrections in order for that to happen, or you can squander it and end up being a thing that testifies against you. Because God used these things with which to be a part of your testimony, which you squandered and did not. It's up to you and it's up to me. We have to make choices every day. Am I going to be in God's word? Am I going to then blame because I'm not in God's word all my afflictions because of just whatever? I have bad luck. No, we make choices that have implications that call them consequences. We know this. This morning, what are you going to do to ensure that going forward, you're where God wants you in his purpose, in his plan, and going to use what you've been through as a testimony to others that God may use that to bless them, to encourage them, and to challenge them on the fact that there is another road? I don't know, but I encourage you this morning, if that's you during this invitation, if you don't even have a desire this morning to get from where you are to where, but you know you should, I would just challenge you to, to start praying, God, give me a heart 
to have the heart for the things that you want me to have heart for that I don't this moment. Whatever it is, let God have his way. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.